This is the Phoenix Magazine Podcast, Arizona Craft Beer Review, Episode 2 of 2023. This week, we went on location to 100 Mile Brewing in Tempe. Yes, we, because Johan is back from daddy diaper duty, or at least he was there long enough to join me for a beer or two at this brand new brew pub in, uh, in Tempe near Royal Road and the Loop 202. This uh, sleek new spot has two bars inside a very inviting, comfortable dining area. Great food, uh, dog-friendly patio. It's right there near Tempe Town Lake. Great for all you lake recreational people out there. So we chat with owner Sue Riggler about her background and how she became a, a brand new brewery owner here in Arizona. And uh, about halfway in, her head brewer, Valerie 80 joins us uh, right there at the table. And we get into kind of her brewing favorites, philosophy, and why freshness is at the heart of the motto of 100 Mile Brewing. Great new spot in Tempe. You're going to have to check it out at the end of this episode. I've got some details about their grand opening celebration that I'm going to pass along. So stay tuned for that. But right now, here's our conversation with Sue Riggler. All right. So, Johan, we're here on location. Yeah, 100 Mile I'm Brewing back. in Tempe. Johan is back. I'm back. He's joined us to, to drink some beers at the brand new yeah. 100 Mile Brewing. And I've been here already. This is my third time. So as we bring on the owner, Sue Riggler. Sue, do I get any kind of a prize for being your best customer yet? Certainly. Yes. T- just today only, right? <laughs> That's today only. So you look she, at what's sitting in front of you. That's your prize. She did. Um, <laughs> bring over a great flight um, yes. with how many different beers are, are on here? We have six different six. beers on tap right now. Okay, so six, and I'm having the Glowing Ember Stout, um, 5.5% ABV. Real smooth, real crushable stout. It's not um, anything that's like too overwhelming. Um, real nice flavors. I get some chocolate and maybe some coffee on there. Yeah, um, a little oatmeal. Yeah. A little oatmeal. Gotta get used to that. So 100 Mile Brewing. Here in Tempe, you guys opened up early December. It had been yes. kind of a, a labor of love. Um, was this always kind of a like a um, a thing that you had wanted to do? Because you you have a career outside of beer, right? I had before I did beer. I was um, I had a marketing company, and then I got into the beer industry because I had an aha moment. I've always I've always had an affinity for beer. I think even since I was young, not drinking beer, but I wore a Budweiser T-shirt when I was ten years old. There's a picture of me to prove it on my front porch. And I also collected beer cans. My dad literally built a shelf in my bedroom so his 10-year-old daughter could collect beer cans. <laughs> and so I, I just look back and we had a lot of pig roasts. I grew up in Iowa and, and socially, you know, beer was involved and everybody was happy and laughing and just had a good time. And so I, I think I, I brought that forward with me. And then um, I graduated from ASU with a degree in microbiology. So I've kind of been a I, I like science and of all things, fast forward about 35 years from graduating from college, I saw a microscope in a craft brewery. So uh, my two worlds of science and beer collided and I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Science and beer. So I went down and talked to the brewer and he's like, well, brewing is all science. It's like, you know, yeast and pH and all this kind of, it's microbiology, right? Yeah. It's always the stuff I get super confused whenever the beer people start talking about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's all That's, in the yeast. It, Literally, it all these flavors truly are is one hundred percent in the yeast. The yeast. I go yeah. by the tanks and I rub them and talk to them. And <laughs> Play Mozart. She's a good yeah. girl. Good boy. I love that fermenting in there. Yeah, uh, and so, I remember they're well-behaved beers now. They and, certainly are. Yes, I remember. I I did the um, the brewers uh, tour at Anheuser Busch in St. Louis uh, last year. And uh, we went through their quality control mm-hmm. lab, and it's it's a science lab. It's, it's you know they it's have insane. centrifuges and they have all these. I mean, it looks it's a, it it is a science lab one hundred percent, and it's just the thing about beer that you forget that people don't realize is like there's so much. The bigger the operation, the more the more that is involved. Absolutely. It's quality control. And that's one of the reasons for our name, 100 Mile, is I don't want our beer to travel more than 100 miles. So even though I'm a runner, it really has nothing. The 100 Mile Brewing Company, the name has nothing to do with running. It has to do with quality and fresh beer. I'm a super stickler on clean, balanced, fresh beer. Um, Who wants to drink a stale beer? Nobody. Um, So 100 Miles is where you keep your beer freshest from production. And I don't want it to travel more because you can't do as many quality control checks if your beer is farther away. So it's just our philosophy here that... and and, um, and it includes the whole entire state of Arizona as well, from Flagstaff to Tucson. That, that, that brings me to I, I kind of wrote up a little quiz here. I want to test your knowledge of Arizona. What what is a hundred miles away? So let's start here. As you go west on I ten towards LA, is, what what do you know? It's a hundred miles away from from this location right here in Tempe, off of Rural Road and the two hundred two. I read the quiz already, so I know. <laughs> Is it Yuma? It's actually just a, a there's nothing out there. There might be a rest <laughs> stop. Know, so. right? East LA is what uh, we call but, it. But we do okay. have some locations. If you go 100 miles north on I-17, what are you running into? You run into um, Prescott, Flagstaff? Yeah, you do run into Prescott if you take the 69 um, out west towards Prescott. But there's another city that um, you might come up with. Maybe a, on, on 17, you're going up towards, uh, it's Camp Verde, actually. So. Uh. But I do have one more or two oh, more. No. What do you what's 100 miles if you're going up like the B line towards Payson? It's not Payson. I'll give you that. It's a little bit past. And like maybe you're going out east on the 260 uh, towards the Mogollon Rim. What's 100 miles out there? I know um, Snowflake is farther than 100 miles. That is farther. Yep. Yes. Um, I would say. I used to Christopher me. Creek. Right? It is Christopher oh, Creek. Yeah. And so, um, well, Johan looked at the quiz. Yeah. Already. But, but I do want to bring. But that's up- exciting because then you could you could potentially, if there was like a, a theoretical beer festival at Christopher Creek Campground, Ooh. you could you I, could, I could participate. Yeah, I good, could yeah. participate. Yes, yeah, and stay yes. there. For- there is like a tavern up there too, so you could have yeah. your beers on tap there. Once you guys get going, and you know the beers become popular, hundred miles away from Hundred Mile Brewing is on tap at the. I think it's like the Christopher Creek Tavern or whatever it is. Right, one Sounds more. like a place to um, go check out. Huh? One, one more uh, going. Well, actually, I, I did want to bring up Camp T since we we're so close to ASU. Camp Tonazona is right there, too. It's about 98 miles away from okay. here. So okay. it's real close. But as we go uh, the other way, south or east on I-10, what are you running into 100 miles? Tucson. You are Absolutely. correct. It's actually, to be specific, it's the Ina Road. Is that how you say it? Ina Road? I think it's Ina, yeah. Yeah. As an ASU alumni, you might not be interested in going to Tucson, which is <laughs> fine. Uh, <laughs> no, never. Um, I, I do like that because you mentioned you went to ASU. And, uh, I think the three I of us did. That picture you have sitting oh, on the thing. You, uh, we were at a media invite uh, last week and she came over and showed that. 
This is from her dorm room. She's showing up a picture of when she went. Is that Sun Angel Stadium? Yes. It's looking. Oh my God, did you? Yeah, what? I stayed in Manzanita. Tell me the the story of that, yeah. I took this picture in 1982 when I was a freshman in Manzanita. Wow. And you can see Manzanita in the picture. Thankfully, I was a bad photographer and I got half the building in the picture because um, a point of reference there. I just found this picture in March of last year at my parents' house when I was moving them out. They had lived there for 50 years. So if Manzanita was not in there, I would have not known what that picture was because it's a bunch of like nothing really. Right. Um, right, But it actually it's looking north from Manzanita and you look to the north, you see the dry what is now Tempe Town Lake, but it was called the Salt River. Yeah. You can see the bridge over Scottsdale Road um, and you can see the iconic um, 1980s party place which is called the devil house yeah um you can see that in the picture and right next to that devil house you can see 100 mile brewing so uh, 40 years ago i took this picture right it's right there isn't that crazy <laughs> i know the camera show them that it's right there so i'm gonna have that blown up i'm gonna have it um digitally remastered or whatever um and i'm gonna hang it up in the brewery because That's it's such so a cool. great point of reference talk about manifestation yeah like i said it kind of goes to see, Back. you know, I almost want to, it'd be cool to try to get a picture taken from the same angle. If you could get access or knew somebody who had access to Manzanita and have oh. them try to take the same picture. Because, I mean, it, that, it, nothing is the same, right? The lake, obviously, but then you have the whole watermark yeah. area. You have the, the parking garage. You have the new building right here. You, I mean, everything is different. It's incredible yeah, to see it, that. It's it so cool. would not be unlike me to go knock on someone's door at 1306 <laughs> Manzanita Hall. <laughs> Excuse me. I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, and Manzanita got a whole facelift right? too. And you yeah. can even see the top of uh what is it, Greek Row down here that got totally yes, shut down. It's not there anymore. Um, and now it's like a science building or something. Like it's it, it's ho- and the hotel. Yeah. Not, it's incredible. Hyatt or something. That's so cool. Yeah. Crazy. That's so craziness. Cool. So there's obviously a lot of history here um in this building, if you will. It's what, close to fifty years old now? Yes. It was Built in 1970, mid-70s. I think I've heard 74, 75. Okay. So when you were um, you had your eyes on this property, what kind of, um, did it have the guts or did you, did you need to supply a whole lot of stuff to get it up and running as a brewery? That's funny. It was, <laughs> we supplied everything in here. Yeah. Um, it was a, um, the history of the building, it was originally um a called carefree designs. And ironically, um, one of our good regular customers now, him and his wife come in here and sit at the bar quite often. And he shared the story with us that um, he worked in this building for 25 years and it was his aunt's company. So his aunt and I've had a conversation and she has some, they they made Western wear. So um, Western um, costumes. It was, wasn't retail, but they, that was their warehouse for storing it and, um, what they manufactured. And so she has some articles of clothing for me and some pictures for me that she's going to bring in. That's awesome. So, um, so that's great to know that, you know, this gentleman has, who's now a patron walked in and he's like, wow, he goes really kind of 
fancy this place up because it was when I looked at it, it was a print shop. So after the Western wear, after Carefree Designs and it became a print shop. And um, it, when I looked at it, there wasn't a wall in here. Um, it was completely open with a lot of junk. Okay. So we um, they clean everything out and then we built it up to what it is now. That's awesome. And you guys have this great patio up front, um, great parking lot, really two bars inside, two bars, which is cool. Um, His and hers. Yeah. It, it, to me, it has a kind of a feel of, and I don't know if this is where you got your inspiration, but it reminds me of a lot of Southern California breweries when you walk in. Um, it's not like your typical Arizona style of place. It, is that, do you, do you, did you draw a lot of inspiration from your time in California there? Well, um, I... They, I had gone to over 500 breweries when I sold brewing equipment for Crohn's and for WM Sprinkman before. And so I had gone to quite over 500 breweries and I got to see kind of the good, the bad, the smells, the lighting, the sound, the um, cleanliness, the cleanliness or the uncleanliness. Yes. Which you're killing it Um, so far. This is a place of spotless. It's pretty spotless. Thank you. (laughs) Um, That means a lot. And, so I and I breweries are kind of an extension of your living room. So they have to have a feel. You know, it's not only about the food um, and the beer, the quality of your product. It's about the intangibles and kind of how, you know, the lighting and the sound and even. So with that being said, I am not a designer, nor is um, Todd Kessel, who is um, my partner. And he's also the general contractor. He has a better design eye than I do. But neither one of us are professional designers. So we like to go to Postino's. It has a really great vibe and a great feel. And we always go back. Everybody's friendly. And sometimes you don't even know what it is about a place that you f- makes you feel good. So, and that's the intangible. So we wanted to capture that. And with that being said, um, I reached out to the designer of Postinos, who's also the designer of Snooze, that morning eatery, mm-hmm. and uh, Melissa Friday of Zan Creative out of Denver, Colorado, um, designed our space in here. You know, what's so. funny is when he was talking about Southern California, or like California design, in my head, I was like, I don't know. It sort of reminds me more of a of a brewer you'd find in like Boulder or 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 Denver because mm-hmm. it's it's bigger. California breweries tend to be smaller because space is at such a premium right. there. So it's just it's big, it's airy, the doors are open. It just feels like a like a brewery you'd find in Colorado. So that's really right. funny that right. that it's that she's right. in Colorado and there that she designed go. it because that, yeah. that to me that made a lot of sense. It and it and, does feel more designed than a lot of breweries you yeah. find like the 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 aesthetic the designs you know under the bar the the furniture you know in the front the couches and all mm-hmm. that it feels a lot more like intentional you find a lot of breweries that feel a lot like man caves and just like right. we'll just throw whatever bar stools we can get our hands on these all look comfortable they look uniform it looks right. very intentional and i love that like it's it's a very attractive space and i think she really did an yeah. amazing job of listening to um what todd and i were um wanting to um wanting to create um she did a lot of listening and then with that it was really fun to see the renderings come alive yeah because her renderings look just like what happened yeah. and you know the green bar stools the tile that has a little bit of southwest flair to it yeah. um the light fixtures even down to the light bulbs she helped us like pick out what wattage of a light bulb to get the lighting correct that's incredible um, yeah. no it's it's a really cool space i i will definitely be spending time here i hope so um, <laughs> speaking of uh the, the space and people who spend time here um the obviously you're real close to the lake um i would imagine um the clientele might be people who use their lake recreationally and stop in afterwards is that kind of what you've seen so far and you're what been open now about six weeks 
about a little, we are, had our official opening on December 7th. We sure. had a soft opening that weekend before. So yeah, it's just a little over a month. Um, but we get a lot of traffic from the lake and I, in kind of, I thought we would get, we were right along the bike path. So I, kind of figured we'd get some activity from runners and cyclists, but, um, you know, the marina's right steps away. So people start tend to start and end their workouts, whether it be rowing or stand up paddleboard, um, kayaking, um, and dragon boat, dragon boat. Yes. We get the dragon <laughs> like, boats oh, in here. Yeah. We do. Right. Yeah. So, um, we do get a lot of traffic yeah. from lake activity. Yeah, I mean it's it, the the location is perfect. It's it's for those of you who don't know, it's north of the lake, south of the 202. Uh it's right between the Tempe Town Lake Marina and Scottsdale Road, just north of the whole watermark area and it's it's kind of tucked back here, but it's like accessible from both sides. Mm-hmm. So you can access it from like the college side and the and the Scottsdale right. Road side and I mean, walk walkability from Tempe is perfect. Anybody taking a lap around the lake can just hop over for beer. It's right. It's we have a um, you know several at, uh, several years ago it was fifteen hundred residents within a half a mile that walk over here. Now it, with the expansion of some new apartment complexes and condos, it's even higher than that. I don't know the exact count, but um, yeah, we we have lake traffic. We have um, you know the residents here. Um, and then we have from the watermark and then we have, um, you know, up the north, just north of us. We have all the residents in, in South Scottsdale, that whole neighborhood. We're right off the 202. The airport. Um, the airport. Right. We've had yep. we've seen many suitcases in here. Love People that. either coming or going from the airport. Yeah. yeah. And as you said, there it's tucked away. Um, but it's there's four ways to get in here. Three. Um, one is the back way off of you can take curry south off to college and it'll wrap you right around here and then there's three ways off of scottsdale road yeah. one is gilbert road and one is the entrance of Macayos. if you go through their parking lot right. um that will lead you here and then through the watermark as well there's a private road back there that just leads you right in here so that's awesome yeah that's awesome. and there's plenty of parking there, awesome. there is there's lots of parking here and i was talking to uh you had a media invite here last tuesday and um table full of foodies and we're kind of talking about this location how how great it is that it's 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 another one that you know there's not a whole lot of uh, real like adult kind of spaces around um you know going to asu football or basketball games but this adds to it like this is a, a really classy kind of spot to come in pre-game before an asu game or afterwards um and walk across the lake yeah walk across the bridge uh down to the stadium um and she was, you know, the, some of the people I was talking to were, were mentioning that and like, oh, yeah, you could come here and park and then walk down there. So we don't want to overload the 100 mile brewing parking lot on that. But I mean, it is a great place to come and pregame. Have you seen a lot of that going on and uh, with like ASU basketball kind of going ASU on? basketball, um, football games, and then also the hockey team, you know, the ASU hockey, men's and women's hockey, and then also um, the Coyotes there at the Mullet Center. So oh, yeah, we see a coyotes, lot of right, yeah. right. We see a lot of um, pre gaming here, but there is um, on that note, we do have um, parking. But there is the eight story parking structure right at the watermark too. Right, and then the whole parking. marina parking yeah. lot. Yeah, so it's like right, plenty of parking. Yeah, How about right. a shuttle to the games? Huh? Ooh, that'd be cool. Well, you guys doing that? Um, we're 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 working, working on, on it. it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
that'd yeah, be a so lot easier like, to get over there than stumbling across the bridge yeah, after a few beers. Yeah, just a, a short little, it's less than half a mile yeah. over there. So I'm curious, you said you had a marketing company before this. Yes. yes. And you studied microbiology. Correct. And you got into, micro, into marketing. I studied exercise science and now... I'm in marketing. Okay. So I'm curious from a marketing perspective, like what were the biggest challenges in launching a brewery in a, a market like Phoenix where there's 70 plus breweries mm -hmm. in the greater Phoenix area? Kind of what were your biggest challenges in terms of like getting your name out there when you were first trying to open? Um, well, the challenges are always, I mean, initially and in, in funding. Um, you know, and finding property. So once those were checked off the list, then you have to start with your brand. And thankfully, I do have, I've worked with um, a lot of major brands in my marketing company that I knew that um, branding is extremely important. It, um, and it needs to be, you have to put some time and resources into it from the beginning. So um, if you see our logo, it, there was a lot of thought that went into that. It's um, line art of a roadrunner. Yep. Um, very simple, indicative of the desert, mo motion, innovation, friendly. Um, and, you know, I worked with um, Lola, um, London, LA out of... Um, when I was living in California and they designed this and it was fun to go through the brainstorming process again, listening, you know, what we want. And, and we came up with the line art roadrunner and I just said to him, well, I could have done that, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot that goes yeah. into, you know, we had several renditions of all kinds of logos and this one is, I just, it's, it's so branding is, is very key and it has to be consistent. Totally. Uh, yeah. You guys came swinging out of the gate too, like with full merch uh, set up, and uh, obviously the, the you know the, the beers. Now it it took what a couple of weeks, and then now you got a full whole lineup of your own beers, along with um, the other uh, local Arizona beers also on tap. Um, we we were talking last week about uh, merch with Grand Canyon Brewing. Is that was that something that you wanted to? specialize in and make sure that your merch stood out from other breweries too? Yes. Well, it was part of my um, 20 years of marketing was yeah. um, merch. So I have a good background in that. And we have, um, we have a lot of fun designs coming up. Um, the initial one is, is the logo, the traditional logo. I wanted to get that brand out and have recognition of the brand. Um, but you know, with merch, I mean, once we start having our beer names, we can have a little bit more fun with, um, some t-shirts and hats and whatnot. So a lot more coming there. And it's, yes. Speaking of beer names real quick before, uh, we bring yeah you asked the question i'm going to get uh valerie uh, 80 the head brewer here hooked up with a microphone and johan and sue can chat so you said that the the name of the brewery is based on 100 miles from the brewery is where the beer is the freshest i can't help as a runner myself i can't help but see the names of your of your beers roadrunner mile marker runners high clearly there's a running theme here as well Yes, I have. Um, I've been running for 44 years, pretty much my whole entire life. Yeah. Um, and then Valerie named all these beers. I love the name of them. A lot of them are complimenting not only the flavor of them, but the names. Um, yes, I am a runner. And, you know, obviously, even though 100 miles is where you keep your beer freshest, there is some play on being oh. a runner and cycling century. So, yeah. Which for but, me is like... Because, yeah, I grew up a runner. I grew up a, a triathlete. And, and so it's very cool to see. I feel like 
connected to these beers already. Nice. Just based on that. And we have the um the rock and roll marathon yeah. happening on Sunday. So we'll I'm sure we'll be um selling quite a bit of um runner's high. I mean, you guys are gonna be central to so many uh, like endurance events right here. Right. I mean the Ironman running course mm-hmm. is gonna come by here <laughs> twice uh, plus and uh and rock and roll and you got all these races. Are you guys planning on doing any sort of like activation with that, you know, setting up uh, aid stations or anything like that? Um, we're working on it, you yeah. know, just getting our legs under us right now. Yeah. We have a, a, you know, a, a lot of ideas totally. in that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm here for it. Whatever you guys do. Great. <laughs> well, we had a, a fourth to the table here. Welcome, Valerie, the head brewer. Valerie, good to see you. Good to see you both. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we, um, speaking of, uh, Sue's been telling us how important freshness has been to beers, and I think I'm doing the runner's high. Is that what I, what you gave me there? Um, is, that, is that what that can, one is? You yes. Can, you can just taste the the freshness off the line as soon as it like hits your mouth. And is, is this one a little bit different than the other uh, hazy that um, I have? What was it? The Desert Neon was that the. Yeah, so this is um this is our second hazy. So similar um brewing technique but totally different recipe. Um this one uses a completely different hop combination. Um so you get a really different still tropical fruit profile but totally different profile than the first beer. Um the first hazy uh was a combination of sabro and mosaic hops which to me uh to my palate gave off this really great papaya um nectarine kind of combination, really fresh, really pungently fruity. Um this one's a little bit more mellow, but it's got more of that like ripe peach stone fruit mango guava um so still tropical still in the same family just a totally different kind of fruit bowl and uh i apologize i introduced her incorrectly johan award-winning brewer <laughs> love that you won, you won several medals at uh, great american beer fest right yes well that, and yeah. that, that goes uh not obviously here at 100 mile you guys have to work towards that but um from your previous career right where where you come from and kind of what were you doing um before this uh yeah so i got my start in brewing at firestone walker's r&d location in venice um i'd been a huge beer nerd and a beer fan for a long time and firestone walker was my favorite um i was living in arizona actually when i discovered them so um, i had moved out to california to pursue my own dream of living by the ocean whatever um and saw that they were opening that location in venice and i actually got on their staff as a bartender um and then i just loved beer so i kept sticking around and picked up all the closing shifts and started making friends with the brewer and um you know they'd only sent one person down from their main brew house to run that spot and he was um working a lot and just very tired and needed some help and so i had offered my assistance, um, having never worked in a brewery or made beer before, but just having been around it in the industry for years and years and absolutely loving it. Um, and was just wanted to learn and willing to help. And, um, so I did all the dirty scrubby cleaning the drains and the tanks jobs that he didn't have the time to do. And, um, he let me start apprenticing on brew days and it turned out I had a knack for it. Um, and I won, so I, I, they, I'm touted as award-winning. It's a team. It's a team effort, obviously, right? So right. at the time that I won uh, my first two medals, I was the act, active brewer for that location. So I had a brew house manager who was still supervising me. He was writing the recipes. I was personally executing the brews and then handling all of the cellaring and the packaging. So uh, we won a silver medal 
for a Saison in 2019. Um, the last beer that I brewed for Firestone was a batch of Wookie Jack. Um, I was there that brew day was my last week. Um, so the cellaring was passed on. I was half done by me, half done by someone else, but that beer went on to win a gold medal that year. Um, and then in 2021, last year, I won a bronze at the California Craft Brewers Cup for my Schwartz beer. Um, which Schwartz beer. One of my beer, favorite styles. I would say one of my personal favorites. I feel like totally underrepresented, totally underappreciated. 100%. We will definitely have one in the yes. works before long. Yeah, Johan's told the story of the Button Brewhouse Schwartz beer yeah. no less than seven or eight times on our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll be quick. I uh, worked at a, a tap room in, in Chandler. Uh, we had a Schwartz beer. And anytime somebody would come in and say like, oh, I usually like, you know, lighter, like Budweiser or whatever. I'd be like, I'm going to bring you a, a taste of something. I just want you to try it, like keep an open mind. And I'd bring them this this little taste of Schwartz beer. And they'd be like, what is this? It's dark. It's going to be like too strong or whatever. And they'd try it and they'd love it. So like Schwartz beer is one of my favorite styles. It's, I'm very excited to try. Full flavor, light body. It's Let's the best combination. <laughs> That's awesome. What a cool story. I What's mean, up? Firestone Walker yeah. is one of my favorite. Is that how you two kind of connected through... Firestone Walker, or how did that come about? Uh, yes, we did. And it was back in 2016, 2017, when I was the collaboration brew day coordinator for Pink Boot Society, which is a organization for a nonprofit organization for um, the for females in the industry, in the brewing industry, it used to be, but now it's wine, spirits, mead, all, all type of um, fermentable beverages. Um, and I was interviewing, I came to interview Valerie on International Women's Day as a female brewer. So we got to chatting. We still have that video clip to this day. And I found out she was a sun devil. <laughs> so we had that instant connection and we kept in touch over all the years. And then um, come the time I was opening the brewery, she and her husband, Mac, wanted to move back to Arizona. So it was just absolutely a perfect fit. And I also found out then in knowing her that we both lived in Iowa. So we kind of have parallel universes of beer beer in Arizona, beer California, to one another. Iowa, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, well, you're joining it. You've joined a, a heavy hitting group of female brewers in Arizona. I mean, between wilderness. Uh, uh, yeah, I have the our, I, I sketched down a couple uh, yeah. borderlands. Um, Ayla at borderlands, Kristen Ayla's at Greenwood, great. Ashley at Arizona wilderness. I mean, um, just to name a few, I'm sure yeah. there's others, but just to name a few and now add um, Valerie to the list. Right. I love that. Welcome. I also love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's incredible. Do you do you know of those other three that I talked about? Or yeah, you guys, actually, yeah. Um, I think the Borderlands crew were some of the first people I met because my first guild meeting um, right after I moved back was in Tucson. So I was lucky enough to get to tag along and meet all of the wonderful women doing work down there. Um, and then Kristen at Greenwood is probably my closest friend, um, brewer friend that I've made in the industry here so far. Just very similar in our um, approaches and temperaments. And um, she was kind enough to let me come join her on a brew day over the summer while we were still under construction. I've This is my first foray into working with a direct fire system, and they have a similar sized direct fire system. So it was fun to get to go into her brew house and pick her brain. And um, we just, like I said, we're kind of kindred spirits in our temperament. So we, we clicked pretty instantly. And um, and I've met Ashley a handful of times, too. And she's just a doll, and I love her. Um, so... 
yeah, I feel really lucky to be coming into a community with a really strong female presence already. Yeah, I love that. I like it because you're, you're, I mean, I just saw when we walked in, like your brew house has a lot more space than Greenwood. So do you kind of like, uh, you know, kind of bust each other on that every now and then? Or um, I think more people just come in and they're like, wow, what do you do with all this space? You just roll around in here? Like people <laughs> like, like really gasp at it. Um, just and give us we, give us a year or two. Yeah, I was about to say, you know. <laughs> so it, the room shrinks. Are you looking to expand easily. then? Um, I mean, we definitely have plans for future tanks. Um, we when we were installing our glycol system, definitely um, made some accommodations for several new additions. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely be switching out our tanks for larger tanks and then adding several more as we grow and um, get more, our feet under us. More barrel aging. Are these are these just aesthetic or are these actual? Currently for decor. Okay. Um, we'll get into barrel aging at some point. Love that. Uh, you know, probably not this season, but yeah. when I've got when I've got my feet under me a totally. little bit better, we'll we'll start doing our forays into barrel aging. How about any collabs with with Greenwood or? I would love to do a collab yeah. with Greenwood. There's I've got several collabs in talks, just nothing awesome firmed up yet. As we're still trying to get our tap menu filled out you know it's awesome i'm always curious about that when a new brewery pops up how uh open or receptive are the other breweries in town towards you guys oh they've been awesome everyone's been so welcoming um brewers are a cool group of people and we all you know geek out over the same weird little hobby and um we all like talking about it so it's fun to get together and have a beer and talk about beer with other people that like to make beer um so but yeah everybody's been very Anything I can do to help you, let us know. Awesome. You know, it's been really great. That's awesome. Yeah, I recently got into homebrewing uh, just a couple months ago. I just had my first bottle of homebrew a few weeks ago. And uh, as soon as I started, I mean, as soon as I had my first home, like, brew day, it's like all I wanted to talk about with anybody. So that's, I can... You get hooked. Yeah. It's like... How did it turn out? Uh, it, it tastes, looks, and feels like beer. I'm going <laughs> to call a that a victory. <laughs> Yeah, it's carbonated, which is fantastic. It, yeah. And it, it's just this dark malty ale that I made, and I'm very happy with it. So Nice. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. So um, looking ahead, are you guys in, getting involved in festivals and um, other sort of beer events going forward? We were just speaking about that this morning. Um, yes. The answer is yes. In the, doesn't like strong beer kind of require everyone to be there or is that just my imagination? Um, I, it's not a requirement, but it's highly recommended. And so we are still actually deciding. I don't quite know if we can. It's been well, so busy. as a firm, maybe. How yeah. about that? Right. Well, <laughs> festivals good. are such a great way to get your name out there yeah. and put your beer in front of a whole wider demographic of people than you could ever draw into your brewery at one time. It's just that given where we are in our current production, um, we're limited with the volumes that we have available. And, you know, we have 24 taps and only five fermenters and one brewer. So um, when you're looking at, you know, I we sold out of our first two IPAs already. And that's that we tapped them. I packaged those on like December 19th. Um, so, you know, with us selling through stuff that quickly and us, you know, I can only make it so fast. So it, it's, it's really just going to be coming down to a timing issue with the fact that we were supposed to be open sooner and hoping to have a larger volume of our own stuff to pull from. Um, but taproom needs come first. So ultimately, we want to take care of the taproom Is that always first. like a good problem to have when you sell out a beer? It's a great problem to have. Yeah. You don't want to <laughs> well, be sitting on beer, but that's just um, hats off to Valerie do i was like i mean we sold out of our west coast ipa and our hazy ipa in 
less than three weeks. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me. I've tried uh, all except this one uh, that you gave me, and I've loved all of them. So that Pilsner, I'm not like Pilsners. I have. So m- my name is Johann Warnholtz, very German name. I have high standards for German styles. This tastes like a German Pilsner. Oh, that is the highest compliment you could pay me. Thank you. Is it? That, yes. German Pilsner is my, that okay. is probably my all-time favorite style of It is style of delightful. Beer. I don't usually like Czech Pilsners very much. This is, I would drink this any day at any time of the day. And so you know, we have a flight in front of us, but I, I ordered that the first time I came in here because I think that was your first or second beer you released, right? The glassware was on spot, you know, spot on because it came in the actual, the actual like tall, long glass, not not like your typical like a like a shaker pint glass or something. It was in an actual like one you'd want to drink a pilsner out of. So you guys put a lot of thought into that too, right? We had a gentleman from Austria come in um, and have a pilsner, and he pulled me over and he goes, he put his hands together and he said, "Thank you." <laughs> He goes, this is a properly, we have a slow pour um, on to pour that into the proper glass. And he said, you cannot find this, a properly poured Pilsner around. And he said, thank you. And he said, it's an amazing beer. And then he tasted the, the blonde, the natural blonde. And he just looks at me and he goes, she's brilliant. <laughs> And he was not talking about the blonde. He was talking about the blonde beer, but he was talking about Valerie. Yeah. And when they come from Austria, they have more credibility. Right. right? So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so up until, uh, what, 15 minutes ago, my favorite uh, Pilsner in town was Pedal House. They do German Pilsner. Uh, Doc does an incredible job. I don't know if you've met him yet. but Yes, he does. Um, yes, he's awesome. This is like on par, if not better. It's very good. Thank and the so, blonde, so I just tried that. I mean, we're six for six now. Like, incredible. Well, she is a medal winner, Johan, so yeah, they should well, be good. Uh, we, we do help put on the Arizona Craft Beer Awards, uh, which is the first time this last year. Uh, you guys opened right after it. Uh, and so hopefully we can get some submissions this oh, year. Yes, we will be there this and, coming year. Uh, and then our festival, actually, hear it for the first time now. Uh, is already confirmed for October 21st. So if you guys wanted to put a beer festival in your sites, yes, then October 21st might be a reasonable timeline. For I will mark that on my calendar today. Beautiful. October seems much more reasonable. <laughs> Very doable. October, yeah, we had our last one uh, last October and really great turnout, really great atmosphere out in Glendale. Um, the, uh, the, the other thing I want to uh, bring up real quick about Valerie, when we were here on that media invite last Tuesday, Johan, you'll appreciate this because we had this group of foodies, you know, from around the valley, different publications invited to taste the food. And one was telling the story of, um, uh, of drinking a beer at a different place. And they were amazed by the buttery popcorn finish of this other beer that they were tasting. Right. And so I told them yes. right away, I said, that's bad. <laughs> when Valerie comes up, ask her about it. And sure enough, she, she knew right away. Like I, and I forgot the, the, the word diacetyl, but, um, from our training, but I knew right away, Johan, you'd be proud of me. I, I knew that buttery popcorn was a bad flavor on a beer, but Valerie put it in really, really great terms that everyone at the table understood. And they, they, 
everyone at the table really appreciated that explanation when she came over and told told everyone kind of how that works and why you don't ever want to f- taste that on a beer. I have a story about all flavors and beer too. I have homebrewed a few times and this is why Valerie's here and people are not drinking my beer, <laughs> but I brewed it and it tasted my son who was 21 at the time and going to ASU. Um, he said it was a green apple flavor to my beer. And he said, mom, he goes, this beer is fabulous. He, and he put it on Instagram, my mom brews great beer. It's almost as good as Estella. <laughs> And him and all his fraternity brothers drank it, but I did not have the heart to tell him that green apple in a beer is a acid aldehyde is not a terrible off flavor. <laughs> yeah, uh, but hey, you know that's how we learn, right? Like that's why you, you learn, hire right? a professional. Like that's, that's well, we're home brewing, I guess. Right. That's why. Yeah, that's how we learn. That's, um, Palate training is part of the fun. Totally, we, and that's one of the things that we did with the the uh, Arizona Craft Beer Awards is we we did these whole training sessions for judges who wanted to judge uh, the the festival or the the awards. And uh, they went through all these, you know, all those off flavors and, and brought some beers that had them. Uh, we had a, a brewery that had a batch that was contaminated, uh, that was very kind to donate cans of that that had been recalled and some so everybody could taste what these off, what some of these off flavors were, and uh, and so yeah, no, it's 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 part of the the palate development for sure, and and um, if if Stella is your peak, then you know maybe maybe Green Apple isn't so bad, you know. <laughs> yeah. But to compare that to Estella is pretty pretty awful. I'm assuming now that you've opened a brewery, his palate is uh oh yes is a little yes. more developed. Yes. So not necessarily green apple, but the uh, food here at 100 Mile, I want to finish on this because it is phenomenal. I've been here a couple of times at Eaton and uh, we had that food last week. Um, it's it's not your typical brewery experience by any means. It is real chef inspired food. And uh, I got to say, Chef Nick is doing a fantastic job. Do you guys have a favorite that you like to eat here? I like the poke. That's one of the appetizers, right? With yes. The, yeah, with it's, like the chips and kind of yes. looks like a like a guacamole, it's, but it's poke, right? Right. It's plated beautifully. It tastes awesome. Um, we sell a lot of it um, along with um, the 100 Mile Burgers, was super popular, fish and chips. Um, and one of the gentlemen... What kind of fish do you use in those? Cod. Yeah. And one of the gentlemen on um, last week said, hands down, by far, the best short ribs. He's ever I was going to say the short rib yeah. was by far my favorite that we had last week. And um, because you do like what, like a, like a coffee rub or something on there. Yes. It's and Chef Nick came over and gave such a great detailed explanation of like every ingredient uh, layered and everything. And I was just blown away by how good the food is here. So if you if you want an actual like good dining experience at a brewery come here 100 mile brewing because the food is just off the charts thank you i will also say if the short rib is your favorite we are particularly excited about this next round of short rib that they're going to be prepping because it's the first time they'll have my stout available to braise it with Um, very nice it is a coffee rub stout braised short rib and so i just released my first american style stout yesterday and they're going to be using that is that the Um, one we just tried the glowing embers? embers yeah very good yeah. um so gonna... is the menu always changing or is it kind of you have your your basics or your staples on here this will be the basics um we constantly are 
going to change it, but we will have specials. We will have rotating specials um, coming up very soon. Um, and also, we not only have Chef Nick, but we also have Chef Tyler. So we are fortunate to have two chefs back there um, working together that are super excited to work with Valerie. And Valerie is really excited to work with the chefs. That is, first of all, for a brewery to even have food um, and to have our level of food. And then add another level on that the chefs are excited to work with the brewer. And then the other way around, the brewer is excited to work with the chef. So I think we have something really special here. Um, um, and our, um, yeah. That's so. awesome. I was going to ask, like, what's the, what's sort of the process of, uh, you Valerie working with the chef in terms of like coming up with a dish or coming up with, I'm assuming it starts at the beer and then it goes and then they take the beer and come up with something along with that. But like, tell us about kind of what that process is. How do you guys, um, I mean, so music is my other love. So I'll use the music and it's like, it's kind of like writing a song. It's like, which comes first, the words or the music. Um, and I feel like everyone's creative process is a little bit different and everything starts in its own kind of organic place. So sometimes, you know, like with the short rib, they knew that they wanted a stout to braise that with. Um, and I knew that I needed to brew a stout because that is a really popular style around here, especially with the weather being what it is right now. Um, so, you know, that one, that one kind of came about with the dish first um, in mind, uh, or like, you know, they have so many flavor ideas of things that they, you know, they'll throw things out and be like, okay, well, if we were going to make this style of dish with these flavors, like, do you think that would how can we incorporate beer into that? Or is there a beer that you make that you think we could use in something like this? Um, so, you know, that's been one of my favorite parts about working with them is they are constantly, we're all constantly trying to figure out new ways to put the beer into the food. Um, and yeah, and sometimes, sometimes it starts with the beer, you know, sometimes they're like, what do you have coming up on your schedule? And I'll, you know, tell them the things that I'm planning and then we'll, we'll kind of work backward from there with like, okay, well, if we're trying to do a special on this week, we know we're going to have these beers available. What flavors can we play with? That would be interesting or what seasonally, sometimes it has to do with what's seasonally available food wise yeah. too, you know? So I'm really excited about playing with that. Do you guys have things on your menu that kind of pair well with, with all these? Like if I was to say like, Hey, I'm going to get this crowd surfer, like what should I order on on the menu for food. I mean, I have my personal recommendations. Um, and we, we, we're trying to train the staff on, on how to pair beer really effectively with food so that, yeah. so that they can make good recommendations. Um, the crowd surfer for the record pairs absolutely astoundingly well with those, um, poison glazed Brussels sprouts. Okay. Yeah, gonna, that was one of my notes. Uh, one of the spicy items on the, on the menu, you know, wings and, but the Brussels sprouts and, uh, that fried chicken sandwich, Really good heat on some of these food items here, Johan. You got to try it out. All right. And Crowd Sounds Server. Like crowd Server is uh, probably my favorite beer that she does because wow. it's got that like here. salty aftertaste or salty finish. Um, oh, we have one. Good. <laughs> I was going to, I told, I told uh, Sue this earlier. Um, I have never tasted a beer like that. That is unlike any beer I've ever tasted. And it is enjoyable from start to finish. So nice work. That one's honestly probably my go-to in terms of shift beer. Nice and light, full of flavor, really refreshing. I can drink a few of them because they're not high ABV. It tastes like I'm sitting on a beach in Mexico. That was the goal. Yeah, this is definitely like, uh, you know, you worked hard in the brewery all day, good beer to have afterwards, or, you know, mow the lawn, garage kind of beer. It is it 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 tastes so good on the like the lime at the front and then the salt on the on the end. Um, fantastic. And well it's, done. It's not lime juice. It is lime juice. But Val actually peeled how many limes? Buckets. Um, let's see. Upwards of 
I peeled four cases of limes. So at so 40, 40 pounds right. each. You got to check out their uh, their Instagram feed, uh, 100 Mile Brewing, because you guys do a lot of great behind the scenes kind of stuff to kind of show that process. And it's uh, almost like a, one of your founders is a marketer. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. <laughs> Who would that be? And we just uh, we just got our TikTok up. Nice. Yesterday. Love that. Thanks to the staff. You might be one of like maybe a dozen breweries in the state that have a TikTok account. So yep. nice work. Yep. <laughs> just just where, where? watch out for some fun stuff coming on the TikTok. I love it. I TikTok love it. is what? 100 Mile Brewing on TikTok? We just did yesterday. Okay. All right. Did. Well, cheers to TikTok. Cheers to Instagram. Cheers to 100 Mile Brewing. Thank you, Val cheers. and Sue, for um, joining us on this episode. And we wish you guys nothing but success here at 100 Mile. It's a great location in Tempe. If you guys haven't checked it out, uh, right off a of rural road, uh, south of the 202, right by the Makayos. Like, turn into the Makayos parking lot and just keep going, and you'll find it. It's right next to the hotel. There's some big dirt piles out there, right? Um, hopefully those get, <laughs> go away pretty soon, but they're having fun with it with um, some di- some uh, mini local decor yeah. <laughs> on the dirt piles, which is kind of fun. So, uh, ladies, thank you so much. Thank, thank you so you much for much. having us. That was fun. All right. What a great chat with those ladies. Uh, had a good time there uh, recording this episode. I want to tell you about the grand opening coming up on... Well, they're open right now, but they're having their grand opening celebration they want to invite uh, all their friends out starting next wednesday january 18th they're having a bring a friend to lunch event uh followed by a, a taco and thirsty thursday event on the thursday january 19th they're going to have a community drive for hope in tempe on that friday the 20th followed by a, a big happy hour giveaway on saturday and then sunday january 22nd their inaugural fun run lap around the lake like I mentioned, they're right there by Tempe Town Lake. So they're doing a fun run event on that Sunday, January 22nd. Check them out at 100 Mile Brewing, uh, 100milebrewing.com. Also on their social medias at uh, 100 Mile Brew Co. Great little spot there in Tempe. Much needed. Great dining experience. Great beers. Uh, they keep it fresh there. So I uh, appreciated talking with them and getting to know them, getting to know their story. We're going to get to know the story of... Oro Brewing on the next episode coming up next week. Going to chat there with Jesse, award winning. He was the Oro was our brewery of the year in Arizona in 2022 because of all the awards they won. And the following week we'll be up at Kitsune talking to Tyler about his new spot up there in North Phoenix. So make sure to keep it right here on the Phoenix Magazine podcast channel for all the greatest and latest in Arizona craft beer.